I like to rant. Ranting is fun. It also makes cleanses the soul. Uh, Detroit is to be one of the best sports cities in the country, if not the best. Surely Javi can't be as bad this year as he was last year. Surely that can't be the case. One of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense, like in the modern era of baseball, just absolutely atrocious. He is a piece of the puzzle. He is not the entire puzzle. Right. He's a puzzle piece, but he is not the entire puzzle. This is the Michigan and Trumbull podcast with your hosts, Alex S. Freeman and Luke Giaconis. Hello and welcome to the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, joined as always by Luke Jaconis. Luke, how you doing? Feeling good. Feeling real good. Uh, the Detroit Tigers somehow, by the grace of God, did split a series with the Texas Rangers. In Texas. Uh, based off, yeah, in Texas, nonetheless. That that Rangers team is phenomenal. I know we talked about it a few weeks ago when they, when they played them at the tail end of May. Um, that's a great team. That is a scary team. That is a team that will make a deep run into the postseason. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what they've done, you know, look what happens when you spend a little money. Look what happens. Your team really does turn it around. So that and some some pretty smart trades. Uh, they they they're definitely set up to be a juggernaut. But that's okay because you know what, Tigers took two out of four from them on the road, and I think that's pretty impressive. Um, and now, you know, Tigers have a. I don't want to say easy schedule because if I, I have this gut feeling that I'm going to say like they should steamroll the Rockies and the A's. I have this bad feeling they're going to get swept by the A's. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say I, it now. I, I'm going to try to put the karma out there so it doesn't happen. I have a really bad feeling the Tigers are going to get swept by the A's. They have not played them well these last few seasons. Um, I know the A's have been better in seasons past this year. They're like a historically awful team, but I've got a bad feeling they are going to get swept by Oakland. Uh, when they get back to Detroit. But other than that, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would not be surprising for this Detroit Tigers team to uh, get swept by Oakland because one of the, one of the main issues we've had the past few years is they don't beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And uh, that, that equates to a big time losing, losing record. No, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been good. I'm excited uh, to kind of be getting to the 4th of July uh, holiday section of the year. It'll be a good time. Um, as as everybody's listening to this episode, as it comes out, um, you and I will be um, enjoying enjoying some time together, uh, which is which is always a fun time when we get the mm-hmm. the, the group together, get the band uh, back together ahead of the ahead of the fourth, and away we'll go. Because we've got we have uh, resident A's fan Tom's fortieth birthday party. Uh, yep, we'll have been there. When you listen the time to this, this drops. we have yeah. not been there yet. Um, we have uh, resident Cubs fan Sean's wedding. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the 4th of July. So it's a big weekend Lots coming do. up for us. For our and... friends, we're very excited. It seems like we can't stop hanging out on the 4th of July. It's just two years in a row. The whole group's gotten yeah. together, which is okay with me. Because the 4th of July is probably my top three in terms of favorite holidays Every every year, I am not kidding. I love the Fourth of July. It's a great time. It's Hook a great, out, light off some fireworks, watch Armageddon. Great stuff. Jump always, in the pool. Always with the Armageddon. Always with. I'm gonna keep pushing it. I'm gonna keep pushing it until you guys finally join me. 
Uh, yeah, it's gonna be great. And and you know, let's just let's start the bets now. What what are you getting Tom for his birthday? I'll be getting him a Walker, um, and Life Alert. I don't know what you're planning on getting him, but I I plan to just get him some some balm to soothe the fact that the Oakland gotcha. Athletics had the twenty fifth. Twenty mm-hmm. fifth, not twenty fourth, perfect game in Major League Baseball history, thrown nice. against them. Armando Galarraga will be avenged. He will be avenged. He, yes, <laughs> yes, Galarraga. Every time I see that, it does piss me off still a little. Just for the record, like I know yeah. it happened. I think like what was it, thirteen years ago at this point? I want to say thirteen or fourteen years ago. It still pisses me off. Like I, I understand it's a great story. Like how Jim Joyce owned up to it and Galarraga came out and handed him the lineup card the next game. I get it. They both handled it like class A gentlemen, and that's great. The man should have a perfect game. Like, we we now I feel like baseball is doing so much with going and correcting things and trying to erase the past and, like, build a br- bigger and better and brighter future. Go back and correct something that should be corrected, that it's clear as day was screwed up and make it right. Yes, absolutely. They would have the Tigers had it been in the era of instant replay. Mm-hmm. The Tigers dugout instantly challenges that call, and the game and is a over. Perfect game. Yeah. Yep. And I don't even know that they need to call New York. I think Joyce would have switched the call on the field. He would have been like, "Yeah, yep. you're you're absolutely correct. Yep. We don't need to make the call. It is yep. it is a perfect game." So, but all that to be said exciting that we had another perfect game yeah good stuff obviously domingo Herman. i'm sure tom was very happy to get perfect game by the yankees of all teams west coast game so i was not that i could have watched the game because i would have been blocked out blacked out by mlb.tv yeah. uh living in in new york thanks yes network um and so i wouldn't have been able to watch it anyway but i was certainly asleep as that game unfolded, I don't even know what's going on. I don't, I, I usually I check the the late. I honestly last night, this being Wednesday, I know this drops on Monday, but referring to Wednesday night, that was the game the tires got blown out. I was so disgusted. Yeah. I was like, I I am I am blocking out all of baseball for tonight, and uh, that's that's what I did. So when I woke up the next morning and found out that there was a perfect game, I was like, yeah, I don't really feel like I missed much. Also, it's the Yankees, and I don't like the Yankees, so it, it does nothing for me here. So I do know that the kind of like big Tigers news that we should talk about um, is is also the subject of this week's Luke rant. So we're just going to cue that right up. All right. Um, that was my conducting. I watched the movie Whiplash recently, so I'm a regular J.K. Simmons. I'm just gonna hit the bleep button. Ready? Here we go. Uh, no, this. I mean, this is this is this is a no-brainer for this week's rant. Like, I don't even call it a rant. I'm just gonna call it a discussion. This team is made. I'm convinced of paper mache. I I am convinced this team is made of paper mache. I I tweeted it out today, and I believe it. I think as a Tigers player, you have a better chance at surviving the Hunger Games than you do completing an entire season healthy. And I, I truly believe that. I know it's a weird thing with injuries because, like, you're not supposed to make fun and you're supposed to take it seriously and all that stuff. And I am. I, I don't wish injuries upon anybody. But give me a freaking break. I mean, this is just getting 
ridiculous isn't even the word to use. Is it bad luck? Are they cursed? Are the players just weaklings? Does the training staff not know how to get these guys properly trained and healthy for an entire 162? It's just brutal. It's absolutely brutal with these pitching injuries. And again, you know, Reese Olsen in, in the Thursday game. Now, to be fair, his injury looks like it's negative. So they're hoping he doesn't miss a start. And literally, they can't have him miss a start. I texted in the group today. The Tigers, if Reese Olsen doesn't play, as of now, the Tigers pitching rotation is Michael Lorenzen, Matt Manning, bullpen day, bullpen day, bullpen day. They're going to have more bullpen days than they are actual starters in the rotation. So they need Reese Olsen to be healthy. And to be fair... The, Everything came back negative, so they're they're making it seem like uh, hopefully just a really bad bruise, pretty sore, and he'll be good to go for his next start. But to play devil's advocate, wasn't it Matt Manning who said, it's just a foot, I'll be back next start, maybe miss one? And he literally just came back a couple of days ago after being out for two months. So we'll see. But, I mean, the amount of injuries that this team continues to have piled up against them is beyond insane. It's beyond words. It really is. The fact that this has happened two years in a row, is it the players? Is it the training staff? Is it a combination of both? Do you pepper in some bad luck? Is this team legitimately cursed? Is this Alavila still looking down on us from the clouds and laughing? I don't know. But whatever's happening, I would very much appreciate if it would end sooner than later. And to be fair, they are, it looks like, getting some guys back hopefully soon. Tarek Skubal... Eduardo Rodriguez, Bo Brisky, maybe Alex Fiedo, Turnbull, still a bit down the road, but they've also lost Matthew Boyd. Let's not lose that. Let's not bury the lead there either. Matthew Boyd is done for the season with the Detroit Tigers. And I will just say this real quick about Matthew Boyd. Um, we know how great of a human being he is. I'm convinced he's probably thrown his last pitch in the major leagues. Tommy John, at his age, given his career trajectory, um, He's going to miss the rest of this year, all of next year. I think it's curtains on Matthew Boyd's career. Um, I don't wish that upon him. I hope he bounces back and is healthy. But I just think at this point, I don't know how many people are going to be taking a flyer on a Tommy John, almost mid-30s Matthew Boyd in 2025. Um, yeah, like looking looking back human, at his but... last few years, right. there's... And like, I, like if you're Matthew Boyd, what you're probably going to get is either a non-roster invitation to somebody's camp um, or you're going to get some minor league deal offers and like do you want to do that mm -hmm. and I me personally no um, I would I would not do that and I think Matthew Boyd has varied interests um, lots of charitable work that he does I think that there is uh, a a great life ahead for Matthew Boyd. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's, he's finding himself on a world series contending roster, certainly coming back. And like, do you want to come back and pitch for the, whatever the 2025 equivalent of the Kansas city Royals or Oakland athletics is. Yeah. Also, I think Matthew Boyd has a great career beyond baseball in baseball, but doing stuff for like, the major leagues, but like representing the players. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, like being an ambassador to the players or whatever position he could be like. Also, I could see him being we like could a use a new head of the Players Association. We could. We could use that. You could I use a like new commissioner of baseball. Baseball. That's, gonna, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. 
But uh, yeah, I don't. I it's nothing personal, Matthew. But I know he's had a very, very hot and cold career at the Tigers. Uh, probably should have been dealt at that 2019 deadline or 2018, whatever it was. But uh, he wasn't. 2020 was brutal. 2021 started off good, then he got hurt. Came back last year midway through, was fine with you know I think he was with San Francisco, then got traded to Seattle. I don't even think he ever pitched a game as a Giant, um, or whatever it was. Yeah, because they yeah they they trade him. He signed with the Giants. That's right. Um, yeah, and then comes back with the Tigers. Very a very whatever. I think he was like what five and five, like a five and a half ERA, like the most Matthew Boyd stat line you could imagine is what he had. And great human being, cannot say enough about him. Uh, but it's it's time probably for him to, to call it. Um, but yeah, so anyways, just this is the weirdest rant ever. <laughs> now we're just talking. But uh, these injuries, they suck. That's how I'm ending it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that there's uh, there's not much else to say. It it you know sucks. go back go back to last episode. Go back to really any episode in this season, and we're and as we're kind of like projecting out the season, we're kind of going like, okay, what well, maybe maybe when we get some of these guys back um there there could be something here and and it seems like we're never getting all of the pieces back at the same time um after the matthew boyd injury i sent i sent the a shot of the of the tv screen where uh bally sports detroit had pulled up mm-hmm. the the guys on the il not counting the two injuries from that game um mm-hmm. where yeah will vest as well went out that yeah, game yep. 12 12 members of the il for the detroit tigers eight of whom on the on the 60 day um yeah. so not not short-term injuries some of these guys have been gone for a while some of them are going to be gone for a while Obviously, Matthew Boyd's season is done. Um, Luke, before we get into that, uh, we have a we have a guest on the show today. Uh, we'll be we joined by uh, Troy Larson of the Minnesota Twins chat to to chat a little Central Division baseball uh, and and certainly a great little Carlos Correa conversation in there as well, uh, mm-hmm. where we try and make a deal for Javi Baez. Uh, we tried, folks. We'll see how it pans out. We'll see how it pans yeah. out. Uh, Luke, any any thoughts before we kind of head over into that interview? The only thing I want to talk about real quick is, and then I want to get it to Troy because that was a really awesome conversation with him, is um, Holt Keith, obviously, mm-hmm. is a very popular name right now, um, and rightfully so. What he did in AA with Erie was incredible. And then in his uh, Toledo AAA debut, he goes three for four. First that bit hits a bomb of a home run. Just Second goes pitch yard. at AAA. <laughs> Just crushes it. Um, Nick Mayton did get DFA'd long overdue. Holy God. Holy, I, I got to say this. And Alex and I were talking about this. Show. this is, I'm taking a shot here. And I know I'm admittedly saying that up front. It has been a while since there's actually been a player on the Tigers. Like, I just don't like this guy. Like, he annoys me. He looks like he's a complainer. He's why. I mean, it's been a while. When I watched Nick Mayton play the last three months for the Detroit Tigers, he is without a doubt one of the whiniest I'm just going to say it, bitchiest players, I think, that has put on a Tigers uniform in a long time. Because not only does he not, I'm not even talking about his performance, which we all know was atrocious, both offensively and defensively, threw away that game literally the other night for the Tigers, which is why he's in AAA right now. But he just looks like a guy, I don't say the thing like, they don't put it forth any effort. Like, I think that's kind of a tired trope. My issue with him is he complains. When he gets, mm-hmm. when he strikes out, if he doesn't like the call, it's the same thing. 
hands up in the air, shakes his head, whines on his way back to the dugout. And it's like, dude, you have not earned enough grace to kind of be this whiny baseball player that he appears to be. Also, I think his, I'm just going to say it too, his nickname, Wolfie, it's stupid. It's stupid. I, unless maybe there's like a family thing there. And if that's the case, I'm sorry. I don't mean to disrespect the Mayton family. But as nicknames go, it's a stupid name. It's a dumb name for a guy I don't like on this team. And there's other players too, for the record, that are on this team that aren't too fine behind Mayton, uh, Mayton in terms of that I don't like. But that would be a whole hour of the show, and I want to get to the interview. But yeah, Nick Mayton gone, Colt Keith. You know, he's ranked. He's going up the ranks, and it's exciting. We see him this season in Detroit. Kick it to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see how quickly he moves up from Triple. I mean, obviously, if he keeps mashing, um, it might it might just make sense that he's obviously not going to. He's got to start seeing major league pitching. Um, and you know what? Why not? We're 10 games under 500. I understand we're only four and a half ish games out, out from the division lead Four, as of today, Um, four, but as of the recording, uh, you know, let's get, let's get the kid up. Let's, let's get the kid up. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Give him the time he needs at triple a. Um, but you know, certainly his first week, it doesn't look like he's going to need a whole lot of time at triple a. Um, yeah, Nick Maton is, is an interesting situation because I think about like the the descriptor you gave of him reminded me of a lot of my feelings about Javi Baez, um, where especially the last year, more so than I think this year, where he was like playing with the Javi attitude, mm-hmm. but not delivering any of the Javi results. Right. And and that was bothersome, but didn't bother me nearly as much as Nick Maton because I knew that Javi was capable of delivering at a very high level, of playing with that attitude, of of bringing that. And this year, I think it has feel, felt like both hit, Javi's on-field game has improved still plenty of times when I'm very frustrated with Javier Baez. I'll say um, incrementally improved, if that. <laughs> but the, like, way in which he's been approaching the game has also, like, mm-hmm. tempered a little bit, and those those two things seem to be meeting in the middle in a nice way. Also, um, uh, before we, Miguel Cabrera got thrown out. Yeah, well, that guy, that umpire had a bug up his ass. <laughs> I mean, now, to be fair, Miggy did do, the, like, the clock gesture, like, you got to go home. Is that way he did it? They were getting blown out in that game, so I don't maybe blame the umpire, but you show some respect to Miguel Cabrera. But honestly, he's 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 done it all. We got to see him in a home run this year. He hit a walk-off. He's been tossed. Really, the only thing left I want to see Miguel Cabrera do is pitch an inning. And I, I wonder if they will ever and probably more towards the tail end of the season if they're out of everything and they're getting blown out one game. I think AJ's got to let him go out there once and, and throw to at least the batter. It would be so great. It would be so, I would much rather see him than like Zach short do it. Like, come on. Like if, yeah. if we all know that, like we're all in on the joke together. Uh, I think that'd be, that'd be pretty magical. Yeah. But I think what you said about Javi and the mate, the Mayton and Javi attitude comparison is spot on where I do feel Javi isn't doing much better this year than he was last year. Um, he's very much more or less the same. His attitude, I do feel like, for what it's worth, is better. Um, I mean, I guess you can't be that cocky when you lead all of Major League Baseball in errors heading into the season. So I guess he's kind of toned that down a little bit. And at least since he got benched, I feel like that's really been kind of toned down. 
Um, yeah. Whereas Mayton, I just, I'm sure he's frustrated. I, 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 no one goes out there and purposely tries to shit the bed, but it's just been brutal. And the funny thing with Mayton is, you know, you remember those first two weeks of the season, he had some big hits. He had a couple of walk. I once he had one or two walk-offs or at least one big game tying home run or a go-ahead. Mm-hmm. I remember he had one, I want to say in, in Milwaukee, but man, he's just fallen off. And not only has he lost confidence offensively, it's defensively too. So maybe it kind of explains his piss poor attitude, but yeah, for what it's worth, I know it's not a popularity contest, but he wouldn't get my vote for prom King. That's for sure. I just, I got, I just, he just bugs me. I, I don't, I don't really like the way he approaches the game, plays the game, the way he carries himself as a major league baseball player. Um, and then I have complete opposite feelings about his counterpart, who also came over with him to trade Matt Veerling. It just seems like one of those guys who like, he's not like great at like a bunch of things, but he's just good at a lot of little things. And he just like mm-hmm. kind of puts his head down and like plays baseball. And like, I think it's like night and day between the two. So what that's worth i don't know why i brought that up but yeah so that's nick mayton just maybe that's maybe that should have been the rant this week nick mayton yeah well that that is going to uh kind of wrap this section up and we're going to throw to the interview uh where again we sat down with troy larson of the minnesota twins chat uh it's a great interview we'll see you over there and we'll see you on the other side of it as well Welcome back to the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. Again, I'm Alex Freeman, joined by Luke Jaconis. And Luke, we've, we've got an, a new person in the studio with us. We've got Troy Larson of the Minnesota Twins chat. Troy, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking baseball. And uh, sadly, the Minnesota Twins are not doing what I would hope they would be doing to, uh, this season. Um, I, I think that's a solid definition of of every team in the central this year maybe yeah everybody on this chat misery loves company so i think we're all we're all we're all there together yes for sure i mean the minnesota twins they yes yesterday they are they lost in cleveland i know one last night over kansas city so now the twins are no longer in first place um yeah there's a two two way two way tie i believe and i we're time stamping day when we're recording i believe cleveland just dropped their finale to the royals and then the tigers just won uh their fourth game against the rangers so i believe right now it's twins and guardians tied for first detroit and third at four games out so who would have thought which is certainly certainly not the scenario uh anticipated uh troy when you and i first first started exchanging emails about about appearing on each other's shows i was sort of anticipating a you know twins twin we i guess we have a twins guardians fight at the top i was uh sort of anticipating that but uh did not anticipate that the tigers would be in the conversation nor that all three of those teams would be under 500 yeah agree it's really not a fight it's more like a tickle fight but uh you know <laughs> hey i guess i guess somebody's got to win at the end of the day right troy yes agreed because i mean when i've you know, when before before the season started, I would have thought that that the, the Twins would have been in conversation, which they are obviously still, obviously, but we don't have the record. Um, I would have thought the Chicago White Sox would be in a conversation. Mm-hmm. I I would have thought that maybe Cleveland might have been up there too. The uh, Cleveland Guardians, as we're now called, uh, called, and 
but no, it's been a little bit, a little different. And <laughs> we're talking the D Detroit Tigers being, I don't think they are a playoff team, but they are definitely in the middle of the pack in the AL Central. Yeah, Troy, if I can ask you a question real quick, uh, you know, this is first time that I can think of that we've ever had, I think, someone on the podcast that has been a direct, quote unquote, rival of the team that obviously Alex and I love. So just kind of a, a blanket question for you, Troy. As a sure. Twins fan, how do you view the Detroit Tigers? Because Alex and I have now ranted, raved, made fun of, sometimes praised for the last four seasons we've had our show. I would love to get an outsider's perspective. And we've always, of course, made our comments how we view teams like the Twins and the White Sox. And I'm sure we can get into that verbal smackdown a little bit if we'd like to. But uh, like for real, as, as a Twins fan, how over these last few seasons and even going into this year, do you view the Tigers? And then on top of that, just like what were your expectations for the Twins heading into 2023? Well, you know, I, I really think what I'm going to say about the Tigers really goes back to 2015 when Brian Dozier hit that walk-off home run for the Minnesota Twins at Target Field. Bob and I finished. Twins, I believe, are down 8-1 to one, uh, at one point in the game, and Vivid Twins scored right, like eight runs of my bomb and knife inning to come back, and uh, seven or eight, uh, I think it was eight, but they come, they come all the way down to come back, and I believe, guys, that that was the moment that, that changed everything in the AL Central, because, I mean, for a while, uh, back in the late 2000s, like uh, from 2006 through 2010, the Twins and Tigers were basically mm -hmm. contending for the uh, Central Division, a title. And uh, for the most part, I know Cleveland won in 2007 and the White Sox won in 2008. Um, yeah. But but for the most part, for Twins and Tigers, it, they they were kind of, especially in 2009, when we that game 163 at Metrodome, mm -hmm. Twins win 12th inning. But then the Twins were not very good for a few years uh, from 2011 through 2014. And meanwhile, the Tigers were winning the Central Division. Mm -hmm. And 2015, well, um, the Twins, they, uh, they they kind of came on the scene again. Uh, I mean, we still had a lot of the same players we've had the past a few years, but um, we we brought back Toy Hunter and uh, whoever else was on that team at the time. But and by the way, Hunter did play for the uh, Detroit Tigers for the mm -hmm. previous two seasons. Yeah, so. I think it was yeah twenty. Was it 2012 and 2013 or 2013, 2014, something like that? that 20... He was he was the right fielder who flipped over the fence in uh, in Boston when Poppy hit the the grand slam. Right. So it would have yep. been 2013, 2014. I've already been hard yeah. for you guys. So the Twins, ever since Brian Dozier hit that walk-off home run, the Tigers have not been back to the playoffs. <laughs> so, so really – it's almost like almost the past eight years, but twins have not the twins, but tigers have been almost basically in rebuild mode. And I know in 2019, I was listening to a podcast episode um, 
and the 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 uh the, the local uh the local hosts from here they were hosting a podcast where we talk about baseball and they had on somebody from ESPN one of their baseball writers uh and they were saying how they couldn't recognize hardly anybody on the Detroit Tigers fighters names I mean uh Miguel Cabrera was there and I, know, I can't remember what else is there to tell you the truth uh, I'm sure Matthew Boyd was on the team and there might have been a few mm-hmm. others but so basically I would say as a Twins fan, we view the Tigers as inferior to the Minnesota Twins as far as success goes. Uh, but obviously the Twins have not had a win in the playoffs the, the past three times we've been in the playoffs. But I would say we have been overall have been more successful than the Detroit Tigers with, with the exception of 2016 when the Twins were just bad at with a record 59 and 103 that season. And and yet we have a lot of the same players that led us to to the to the second place finish in 2015. So, look, you asked about how I thought the expectations I thought this year. I thought the Twins would be a lot better than what they are, and we concern we get into it. Uh, we could talk about how they how they they are leading the majors in strikeouts as a team as as the uh, batters um, as far as hitting. Uh, they're very in strikeouts and but you know our pitching uh Sonny Gray Joel Ryan has pitched good for us Pablo Lopez well he has pitched good at times but very other times he's not pitched as well and Kent Maeda well he was he's been injured uh well he came back yesterday and pitched good for the Braves but uh not for the pitch pitch good agree Pitch good against the uh, Atlanta Braves and the, uh, but unfortunately, the Twins lost that game. And, you know, I could tell you guys that the Minnesota Twins have not been, um, they, they are 0 for 23 with runner, runners in scoring a position in that series. And the manager, Rocker Baldelli, is not happy about how the team has been performing and the, the thing that i find troubling about is barocco's comments is he says they work hard to they you know they put in the effort before games but it's how they do it in games it's not working out and, and i don't know i it's kind of you know like rocco baldelli is contradicting himself um when hmm. he says when he says that stuff so yeah over 23 say, that sounds like the tigers it really does yeah <laughs> So we heard salt in the wound there, Troy. But that sounds like a, that sounds like a that doesn't even sound like a Tigers weak stretch. That sounds like something they would do like in a game or two. So that is that's brutal. Now, Luke, yeah, how is... could the Tigers get tw- get runners in scoring position for twenty three at bats? That's that's that ridiculous. Yeah, I would be called <laughs> yeah, fast yeah. and furious because that would be ludicrous, is what it would be. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're just not executing things right. You know, I could go into detail about how form, the former Twins second baseman, well, he also played first base too, the Twins. And, but former Twins, Rod Carew, he said that because of the analytic, the analytical information that they have these days, the pitchers, are, not the pitchers, the hitters are not tracking the the pitches. I think hmm. they're thinking, okay, well, analytically, you know, the pitcher normally throws this on this count or whatever, whatever. Hmm. I don't know what they're doing, but it just seemed like they're guessing. And it just seems like a lot of times it's like all of a sudden strike three, 
swing and miss, and they're swinging at a pitch that's outside of the zone. I, yeah. you know, we can get into a lot of discussion about analytics and how that has impact baseball, but I feel like we're overusing analytics. I'm not saying analytics is all bad, and analytics has been around baseball for years, but analytics, I think they're just overusing analytics of some of these front offices. That's a really interesting point yeah. because the the Tigers have been have been one of the leaders in the in the league in utilizing analytics and investing in their their data department. Um, obviously, to to what effect? As the team has not been competitive for much of the time that they've been doing that, and whether or not that's uh, an overinvestment in analytics and not necessarily in actual players but i do also know that like this season defensive positioning uh in outfield positioning has has the defensive run saved stat there is somewhere right around 10 defensive runs saved which leads the majors for the tigers um which obviously indicates that some of those guys are maybe due to analytics and the way george lombard is is deploying those um as the bench coach in charge of that positioning they are playing better than they than they maybe are talent wise um so i'm just curious how do how do the twins as an organization utilize analytics um and as a fan do you do you think that they're it's been a good investment or a bad investment for the twins you know i don't you know i don't know exactly everything they do to utilize analytics but what i can tell you is when Derek Falvey came on, came here as the president of baseball operations after the 2016 season, that it seemed like they were stressing the use of analytics. And then Falvey got from the Cleveland Browns a gentleman named Daniel Atwer, who was into the stats with the Browns. Um, and and it seems like they brought in all these stat guys to help with that operation, that that Parbury operation. So obviously, but from what I'm sensing, we use they use analytics a lot. The Twins do. And as a fan, well, let me back up a second. When Felvey came here, Paul Molitor was the manager, and I think the deal was that. Molitor had to stay on as manager for at least one more season. Paul Molitor stayed for two years. And I wonder if a reason why of what we signed Molitor to a, to a three-year contract before it's around the 2018 season, the reason why they got rid of Molitor because he did not agree with all the ways they wanted to utilize analytics. And Molitor, he's a smart player. He, you know, he observes and, you know, he was a great player for Milwaukee Brewers, Toronto Blue Jays and Minnesota Twins uh, when he finished up his career. And I think that they wanted somebody younger. Rocco Baldelli seems to like the use of analytics, so they wanted somebody younger. And they, the Twins have people in their baseball operations. I don't think they even have had real serious ties to baseball before. Um, I know Derek Felby, the way he got in, broke into the scene was he was doing something with scouting and stuff. I'm not sure exactly what it would involve, but Sonic was doing something with video and stuff, and somehow he was able to get hooked on to the Cleveland, back then, the Cleveland Indians organization. 
in the mid 2000s. So, and and I think it's it's a general trend throughout baseball. The front offices are bringing people who have never been involved in professional baseball anymore, so they could utilize what they feel is the a data driven model to managing and, and whatever and all and scouting and all that stuff. I mean, data can be good for some for for a lot of it, but I I just feel like as a fan that the twins are overutilizing data. You know, I don't know what the reports say, you know, that the you know the teams are that the twins are using, you know, what what all the data is in that report, but just general observations from a fan from what I hear. I I just think the twins overuse and are overutilize analytics and that um that maybe we need to go back to how we used to do baseball with more observation. I'm not saying stats don't replace in the game, you know, or analytics rather, but right. They just need to go back to the to the to the observation stuff. You know, it, it goes back to what Rocco Baldelli said yesterday. He said they needed to make uh, changes in the game, you know, on how the game is going. You know, you can't try the same thing at the plate or whatever we're doing. Yeah, I think one thing that's fascinating, Troy, is I feel like the Tigers and the Twins are in the same boat in a lot of ways, not only because they're in the same division. They're both fighting for first place. They're both very much underperforming. Um, but when you bring up the analytics thing in particular, I feel like that is a thing that Tigers fans are starting to get more and more frustrated with A.J. Hinch about. Um, and to be fair, A.J. Hinch is probably the best manager the Tigers have had since Jim Leland. I mean, Brad Osmus was a sponge. And I would say that Ron Gardenhire, although I know you probably have a lot of love and respect for Gardy, as do Alex and I and most Tigers fans, he was given yep. an unwinnable task to try to make that team a contender. You talked about that hellacious 2019 season. He was at the helm of the ship for that year, and it was just absolutely brutal. But not on him. I mean, he was given like a JV roster to try to compete in the major leagues with. But A.J. Hinch right now, pretty much across the board is loved. I, I don't want to say maybe not love, but really well liked, I would say amongst Tiger fans. And they want him to obviously kind of be the guy that leads them in this next generation of winning. Um, I personally think he could show a little bit more charisma and fire, but that's just a, a personal critique for me. Um, maybe a little bit more Jim Leland, Bobby Cox kind of attitude, but I get it. It's kind of a different, you know, era now that managers managing, but one discrepancy, I feel like a lot of people are starting to take uh, against AJ is not so much maybe analytics could get tied into this, delving too much into that. And, for example, there's a player right now in the Tigers, maybe you're familiar with, Kerry Carpenter. Um, he is yep. – yeah, he's probably probably the best um, – probably the best hitter the Tigers have on the team right now, maybe next to Matt Verling because Riley Green is on the IL. And I believe it was – I don't remember if it was for sure one game, but maybe even two in this most recent series against the Texas Rangers – he sat Kerry Carpenter because it was a lefty-on-lefty -lefty matchup. Again, it was a, for sure one game it might have been two. I don't remember at the top of my head. But fans take onus of that stuff, of that on Twitter. You know, and even, even before Riley Green got hurt, there was a couple games. I remember it was right around that Pittsburgh series, Alex, 
where AJ benched Riley Green right before they had an off day. It was a it was a two, it was a quick two game series, a Tuesday Wednesday. He benched him on the Wednesday finale. They had an off day on Thursday. They were back on Friday, and he his reasoning was the lefty lefty matchup. Analytics, analytics. And while I think there is something to be said about that to an extent, when you are not playing your best hitter or best hitters because you're trying to adhere to some analytic formulas, stats, whatever. That's where I think the analytics have gone too far. And you do just have to let these guys kind of get their lumps. And like today, I think Kerry Carpenter, um, he struck out with bases loaded against a left-handed pitcher, but I'm okay with that. He's going to have to, if he wants to stick around in the major leagues for any amount of time, you will eventually have to hit something other than right-handed pitching. So you have to get your lumps and you have to kind of get that experience. And I do think that is something for me personally where I get annoyed with the analytics side of it. I, I'm not some, you know, curmudgeon who thinks get rid of analytics forever. I don't think any of us on this on this show are right saying that right now. But I think we all are in agreement that sometimes it does overtake the thing of just let them go out there and see what happens. Let them see what they can do. Let's see if they can make some magic. Let them earn their stripes, so to, so to speak. So I, I think, again, I think there's a lot of parallels is what I'm getting at. And that analytics thing with the Tigers is just a small thing. But I think there's a ton of parallels right now between the Tigers and the Twins. And um, if I can ask you a question uh, off the top again, Troy, just kind of get your thoughts on something. Um, you mentioned a little while ago, infielders for the Twins. I would love to pick your brain on how did you react slash how do you feel? Now we're about three months into the season. Luis, Luis Arise is very potentially going to be hitting 400 by the end of the year, something we have not seen in decades. Um how did you react to the Luis Arise trade? Did you like what the Twins got in return? Looking back on it, did you not like it? Were you a fan of it from the get-go? Are you resentful of it now? Um, do you think if he was still around with the Twins, they'd be in a much better spot running away with the division? Kind of what are your thoughts on that trade? You know, I was not... I was skeptical of a trade initially. I figured, well, if if we trade Luis Arise and he and he hits really well for Miami, and Pablo Lopez does not pan out, I was not going to be happy, and I'm still not. Uh, I mean, and that has kind of become a case about this trade. I'm not exactly happy because, as I said before, Pablo Lopez has not been, uh, he's not been performing at the level that he sh should be. Um, I, I just think that I just wonder if we had not traded Luis Arise, where we would be at, you know, we would probably be better. And maybe, you know, maybe because of how they deal with analytics and the Twins organization, maybe Arise would not be hitting at where he was at. Granted, he hit over 300 with us last year. I think it was, I don't know, it was 314 or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember, remember off the top of my head, but it was around that, it was around that, that mark. So, yes, I, I think, you know, whatever they are doing in Miami, the Twins are failing. You know, I don't know what they, you know, and it seems like, as I said before, some teams utilize analytics better than others. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I just wonder if, it, I, you know. A lot. There are players here for the Twins who are not, who are not performing at what they should be. But we surprised. I would love to have him back. I will say that. And if he 
performs like he did with Miami here, I would really love to have him back. Well, I think, too, when you look back at prior seasons, I mean, I guess last season was his first go, but that's a pretty impressive one, two, three with Luis Arise, Carlos Correa, and Byron Buxton. Now, obviously, Luis Arise was a hitting machine for you guys last season. He's multiplied that, it seems, going into 2023. Like I said, he's I think he's hitting like 396 right now or 397. I mean, there's a very real chance he ends up hitting 400 by the end of the season, which is awesome. Um, Byron Buxton, you know, just can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, I know this year I think he's been okay for the most part, if I'm not mistaken. And then this year, Carlos Correa uh, just completely tanking. And I guess I'll leave the conversation on Correa for a second. Uh, would you be willing to swap shortstops? Because we will gladly send you Javi Baez <laughs> if you want to send us Carlos Correa. Um, I don't care if Carlos Correa's only got one leg, doesn't know how to swing a baseball bat. Um, I'll still, I'll still give you uh, Javi over Correa. So, yeah, as you can tell, we're not too pleased with the the Javi Baez uh, signing. But um, I guess that's kind of a, just another springboard too. He had a crazy offseason as well. A lot of people, I think, going into 2022, looked at him only being there for a rental year. That's kind of what happened with his opt-out. Then he fails a physical with San Francisco, fails the physical with the New York Mets, and now he's back in Minnesota where he signed the uh, the big deal last offseason. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you think this is just kind of a fluke and he'll eventually turn back into the Carlos Correa of old? Uh, kind of how, how do you peg a guy like Correa, who throughout his career has been dominant and successful, but this season... Uh, it's a totally different player, it looks like. You know, I I actually thought the Twins paid too much for Correa. I know they brought him in last year for a three-year deal worth about $105 million, which was still pretty high. I mean, actually, yes, it's high. And, and I'm like, okay, well, if he's only here for one year, then we have... Royce Lewis, uh, Royce uh, Lewis, uh, take over at shortstop. You know that'll be good. You know Lewis is one of the top prospects in the Twins organization. And well, unfortunately, Lewis he reaggravates his ACL injury while playing center field last June at Target Field. And so, so now it's kind of like, okay, what do we do at shortstop? In, in the meantime, until he to Lewis can return by probably around June or July, they were thinking, maybe August. So the twins sign Kyle Farmer. Um, actually, what was a trade? Yes, he was a trade of Cincinnati Reds. They traded for Kyle Farmer. And so you're thinking, okay, we, we haven't we have an adequate shortstop. And but even I watched the drama with Carlos Correa unfold and and and, he, and here he signs up. Uh, here he signs a two hundred million dollar, well, a potentially two hundred million dollar uh, worth up to that amount, ten year deal. And I think about one hundred seventy million is guaranteed over six years. And then the contract the value of contract goes down with with each of, um, well, the way the contract is structured, the value goes up the next three years, and then it goes down with each year after that and then the final four years obviously if he stays here those years um the value goes down now on paper it might sound good but the way Correa has performed this year 
I, I really question why the, the Twins made that decision. You know, it's, it's about $33 million a year with $170 million that the contract is worth in the first six years um, on average. So, you know, you could use some of that money toward bringing in some better pitching or whatever the Twins' needs are. But now here he has money tied up in Carlos Correa. And right now he's not mm. he's not performing. But I will tell you, yesterday there was an article where he said that he takes full responsibility for the hitter for the hitter. Now, is it the right way to go about it? I don't know because ultimately it takes everybody on the team to determine how successful a team is. So is it the right thing for Correa to say maybe somewhat, but I don't think it's totally right. And and the twins of the team right now, guys, they are not. I said this before. I think they are not performing. That is that is true. Thankfully, and I say this about the Tigers a lot um, on our show. Thankfully, they play in the Central, so they're not out of it. Um, in fact, they're they're leading it. Um, they're right right there in the top. Uh, Troy, this has been this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Can you tell our listeners um, more about Minnesota Twins Chat, where they can find it, and all that good stuff? Okay, so um, you can find the show on a lot of podcasting platforms. I still have to get get to point up on uh, Apple Podcasts and other platforms yet, but I'm going to get to that uh, real soon. But if you Google, um, well, try doing Minnesota Twins Chat, Troy Larson, uh you should find um, the various platforms that it's on right now, but I am working to get it up on other on, on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But it should be on a lot of the other podcasting platforms that are out there right now, such as uh, TuneIn and Amazon Music and uh, whatever else is out there that it's on right now. So, yes. Um, so yeah, enjoy Minnesota Twins chat. I've uh, I've I primarily host the show with my dad, but um, due to stuff going on, um, I kind of branched out, and we're gonna have some uh, guests on. So hopefully, um, so yes, um, so just check it out, and you'll find out. Uh, I try to release an episode every two weeks or so. So check it out, guys, and um, yes, and uh, it was I, I, it was nice to be on your show. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate you coming on. It was a good chat with you. Sorry, sorry that we're both kind of in misery together, but you know, I guess that's like I said, misery loves company. So pull up a chair. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, uh, yeah, and, and we'll probably continue the misery chat on my show. We are back on the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. Uh, great conversation with Troy. It was great catching up with a with a Twins fan. That was the first time we've we've had mm-hmm. a we've had a Twins fan to chat with. Um, now I think we just need to we need to find a Royals fan to complete the set. Oh, I guess a Guardians we had a Cleveland fan. Yeah, no, so we have we had a Cleveland fan yet? Forgot yeah. about them for it's, a second. I'm trying to think. Do about I know the any Kansas City leaders? Don't mind me. Yeah, I, I I don't think I know any Cleveland fans or Kansas City fans. A couple people we went to school with were Minnesota Twins fans. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, we, we welcomed him in, we welcomed an enemy into camp, so to speak. 
uh, bringing in Trinsic. But Troy's a very nice guy, very, very nice, uh, easy to talk to, and just, you know, seems to be in the same kind of shit show we are as as a Tiger fan, where it's just uh, kind of a never-ending circle of mediocrity being a Twins fan. So, yeah, we'll so see. True. We'll see how it goes. And we did, super, we did also appear on, we did also appear on his show. Um, that episode dropped uh, over the weekend. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Go, go, give it a listen. Uh, Luke says some very, very nice things about Alavila on that show. Um, so I, I did. You're not going to want to miss did. that. Where I did give him a compliment. Luke Luke turns into an Avila apologist. It's it's really it's really quite remarkable. An Avila stan. Next week I'm going to invite Chris Illich to my uh, birthday party. It's going to be pretty awesome. It'll be a great time. It will be a great time. All right, Luke. This week's numbers. Um, All right. As of so far this season, what is the Detroit Tigers record in one run games. Oh God, that's a toughie. One. I actually think their, their record is good. I feel like they've won a bunch of these games where it's like three to two, four to three, five to, you know, whatever. Um, I feel like they maybe had a shutout game. Can I give you the number of wins I think they've had in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start there. I'll take you know, that. I'm not great with math. Um, I'm going to say 11. 11 wins. Very close. It's 12. They're 12 and Damn, 9. I was going to say 12. I was going to say 12. In, in one-run games. Now, how does that compare to last year? How many, how many wins in one-run games last year? I'm gonna. How many wins? How many wins in one run games? I don't think they they were so bad last year. They were a really bad baseball team. Like, oops, that's me telling you to check in for my Southwest flight, which we'll give those results here in just a second. Um, I'm gonna say they had nine, nine wins in one run games. Twenty two. At twenty two, what? They were twenty two and twenty in one run games last year, which I would. Are you I kidding me? Would not have. No. If I didn't look all. up this number, I would not have believed it. Not, not at all. I, I feel like they lost. I mean, I guess the bullpen was good last year, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they did have Chafin. Um, yeah, that that is a surprising stat. That is, I would not. I thought I was being gracious with nine. I was going to say like maybe eight. I mean, eight, seven, or eight, but twenty-two yeah, and I, twenty. When I looked that up, because I obviously like looking at this year's numbers that they were they were above mm-hmm. five hundred in one run games. So I was like, they had to have been like two hundred at best in one run games last year. Just right, um, but I guess I guess again, like you know, that's four that's forty two games. The other hundred and twenty were uh, not one run games, uh, to say the least. And so like, if they were in it, they could, they could be in it and they could pull it out. Uh, so, so that's going to bring me to, um, this other number for you on this journey, Luke, um, how many games last year did they lose by a blowout, uh, where they lost by five or more runs? Um, 
How many games did they lose last year by a blowout of five or more runs? Um, I'm going to God, they were hurt a lot with pitching last year. Elvin Rodriguez, Drew Hutchinson. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they lost 33. Very games. close. Very close. 29 is what it was. Okay, um, not bad. I'll take that. Within five, how, I'll take that. How many times do you think they blew out a team last year? Were they won by more than five? Yeah. Uh, 16. Very close as well. 15. Really nice. Uh, dude, I'm I, I, I'm terrible at math, but things that mean absolutely nothing in life, I'm usually, I'm, I'm not that bad. Not like movie release dates. Given to me. I'm pretty good. Which, which compare, so that was a, uh, in blowout games last year, uh-huh. the Tigers were 341. This year so far, they are 286 in in blowout games. So when they when when a blowout's happening this year, the Tigers are not typically on the correct side of it. Yeah, I do feel like some of their losses they have had that that I can remember. I mean, there have been a couple of heartbreaking losses. I can think of that one against the Phillies and then the Diamondbacks won, and then the one the other night when Mayton threw the ball, I think it was against Minnesota. There was a couple of heartbreakers. Um, but there was also a couple of blowouts too along the way. And I don't feel like and I don't feel like they've done many. I feel like they've done less bloodbaths this year, even more so than last year. Which is that am I correct on that? Do you have, I don't know if you have those numbers pulled up by any chance or they have uh which which side do you want the Tigers on? I just that they're winning, that they're winning a bloodbath. I feel like they haven't blown out a lot of teams this year. I guess is what I'm saying, especially Correct. compared to yeah, last they've, year. They've they've yeah. only blown out six. They've only had six blowout wins uh, so far in the first half, which is we're counting more. Is yeah. pacing is pacing behind what what it was last year? Last year. Yeah, um, that makes where they, sense. Where they I had fifteen blowout wins. Um. Okay, one more, one more number. Okay. Uh. I went I went ham in uh baseball reference today. I had a good time. Okay. I love it. Uh this season how many games have the Tigers blown the lead and ultimately lost? So if they if they if they lost the lead and then came back and won the game it doesn't count in this number. This is they were winning the game and then they lost the game. And we're not just saying like this is like how many games did they blow in the ninth inning like they could have blown it in the 7th inning. Correct. Yes. Okay. But they did establish um, a lead. Yeah. And then blow it. Hmm. I think, well, I think for starters, I'm just going to try to look at this from like the numbers. Right? I'm pretty sure Lang has blown like two or three games. So I'm going to say three there for a starter. I'm going to say it's not as high as I think it is because they're 35 and 45. So I'm going to say they've done. And the bullpen's been pretty solid. They're a pretty solid bullpen. Let's go. I'm going to keep in the teens, right at the teens. I'm going to say 13. Very close again. 15. Okay. 15. A third Boy. a third of their losses, which is not as great when you put it that way, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, has been a blown okay. lead. Yeah. I could, I, you know, I, I could see that the bullpen has been very good. Very, very good. But when every three days it seems like it's a bullpen day, it's bound to happen. So yes. yeah, there's that, only that, so that, much. 
That checks out. That checks out. Hmm, fascinating. And also, kudos to me. My, I feel like the last couple of episodes, my numbers have just been getting stronger and stronger. I guess when you, I watch really thought I was going to get you with some of these. The one you got me on was the the how many one run games did they win? What was that? Twenty last year, twenty two yeah. and twenty. Yeah, that one. That one I was way off. I I did not. I still can't believe that that they won twenty two. They went twenty two and twenty in one run games last season. Yeah. They weren't on the uh, the below five hundred side of that, so to speak. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a good, it's, one. That's a good one. Yeah. That was fun. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. It's been a fun episode. We had that, that great yeah. conversation with Troy. We had a, a, an excellent rant at the beginning from you, Luke. Um, over the I next uh, couple couple weeks here, we'll have the guys back um, as we hit the all-star break to to kind of do our mid-season check-in um, mm-hmm. on our picks and and some more stuff planned throughout the year. So make sure you keep the dial on Michigan and Trumbull. Again, you can head over to michiganandtrumbull.substack.com. You can subscribe to the Substack where we're going to have uh, an email that lets you know when a new episode drops. Um, and we're, we've got some stuff in the work for the, works for the second half of the year that'll be fun stuff if you're over on the Substack. Luke's got the Twitter on lockdown at mish underscore Trumbull. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at mish underscore Trumbull pod. And, uh, uh, yeah, keep keep tuning in. YouTube, we love, we love yeah. to find us on the YouTube. You're if you're on YouTube, yeah. you're watching it now. If you're listening, we're also on YouTube. Um, you can go find us there. Subscribe. You can look at our beautiful faces during the you episode. Hear, uh, you can put a face with the bad takes. That's the way I look at it. Alex, real quick, I know you're signing off. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank well, you. We probably won't talk to the audience until after the All Star break. At this point, most likely with the way That's we record. True. Yep, the next so episode will drop your last after the break. Question: I'm going to ask you. A, I'm going to ask you a quick number, and then we can get the hell out of here. They got nine games left. Six out of those nine, nice, are against teams that are under 500. That being the Colorado Rockies and the Oakland A's, and they finish off the first half against the Toronto Blue Jays. Nine games. They're currently ten games under 500. How do you think they fare in those last nine games of the season before we get to the All Star break? Got they a number go. for me? A record? They will go five and four. Okay. Five and four. I think I put for the last 10, I put them. It's including the finale of the Rangers game on Twitter. I said six and four. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with six and four. Or I guess in this case now it'd be, it would be five and four. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I, I, I like that prediction. I would love It'll it. Be 40 and 49. At the I would All-Star love break. it if they could. I mean, I feel like you got to you got to sweep. I don't want to say both series. I'll give them a game where they can lose either one game against Oakland or Colorado. But you feel like they got to at least sleep. They got to at least sweep one of those series against yep. the Rockies. Or honestly, if they can take five out of six from uh, those two teams, and even if they take one from Toronto and end up going six and three, good stuff. That'd be that'd good be stuff. great stuff. I think that'd be good Agreed. stuff. So anyways, let's let's hope it happens. So. As you were with your outro. As I was, that's going to do it for this episode of the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. And we will see you all soon. Happy 4th of July, everybody, as you're listening as this drops. And uh, have a great holiday. Enjoy a hot dog and stay safe.